Well, in 2022, we're learning how to walk by faith, live by faith, uh, not by sight. I had to do that just driving in this morning. I had to drive by faith, couldn't drive by sight, couldn't even see the road. And I'm glad you made your way here. do want to remind you, you saw in the skit earlier, we are getting ready for our first event of the year. And it's been a little hard to gain the momentum with everybody kind of out and about with COVID and all that's going on. Help us spread the word. We need to get people registered this week and get that ready for January the 30th. It'll be a great, great outreach event. A great friend of mine from Arkansas will be here as our special guest speaker. And we got a lot of great food ready for you. Today's message, as we continue the example of Israel and what it means to walk by faith as they left Egypt being set free from their bondage and heading to the promised land, a picture of you and I set free from our sin, set free from the bondage of sin, death, and the grave, and now we walk by faith. Well, today we're going to learn about the valleys of victory. Last week we saw the response to our victory. Our response is to live a life of worship. And not just singing in church, but every day we live worshiping God with our response. The life we live, the testimony that we bear in this world. Well, as we go through the valleys of victory, we can discover that even though we know the Lord and have been set free, we can still be bitter or we can be blessed. And that's what we're going to see for Israel today. The difference between being bitter or blessed. Last week, if you were here, I got some feedback from the Chihuahua owners of the church. A few were bitter after my sermon last Sunday, so it has been confirmed that not all Chihuahuas are bitter. Just happened to be the household of our former chairman of deacons that kind of responded to me, and here is proof and evidence that I guess a Chihuahua isn't always bitter. Little princess, I don't know what the dog's name is, but that is supposedly a testimony that not are all bitter. Well, Chihuahuas can have attitude. Did you know Baptists can too? I'm just going to pick on us this morning. You know, we can take on that Chihuahua spirit, right? You with me? We can get bitter in this life. And the question is, are we going to be bitter? Or will we know what it means to experience victory in Christ and the blessing of a walk with Christ? It doesn't mean there won't be bitter things doesn't mean that there won't be challenges that we face. The question is, what will our worship response be during the valleys of life? We began this series as we looked at the reality that only through Christ can we be set free. Without Christ, life is nothing but bitter. And even though life is bitter, in this experience, if Christ is a part of the equation, he makes all things better and all things blessed. He delivers us out of that bondage if we look to Christ. Uh, just not getting a ticket to heaven, though, that's not the blessing. That is, that, that's the icing on the cake, if you will. There's so much more to the Christian faith. It isn't about just going to heaven. It's about experiencing victory in every moment of every single day. So what does that look like? What does a response of walking by faith, a life of worship, really look like? Well, Israel has been our example. We have watched their journey. We went all the way back into Exodus 14, and we saw their mountaintop experience when God delivered them. 400 years of bondage, 400 years of nothing but bitterness, and God sets them free. What a mountaintop experience. We saw also uh, another mountaintop experience. We saw God crush Pharaoh's army as he was uh, coming in on them around the Red Sea, about to destroy the people of God, and they saw the power of God show up on their behalf. 
two mountaintop experiences. But what do we know? If you look at this next picture on the slide, let's be reminded, between every two mountaintops, what do you have? There's always a valley. Matter of fact, there's a lot more valley. My experience has been way more valley, especially if you live in Oklahoma, than there is mountaintops. Are you with me? And maybe you're in a valley right now. Maybe you find yourself going through a low time or a challenging time. Something bitter has come your way. What do you do with that? How do you continue to have victory in the valley? It's easy to celebrate the victory on the mountaintop. Can we celebrate it as well in the valley? Well, let's go back and let's learn from history. If you have your Bibles, go to Exodus chapter 15. We have a lot of ground to cover, so let's go quickly. Here we go. Exodus 15, verse 22. This is where we left off last week. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. They go from a mountaintop of celebrating and worshiping God for his great victory to now going through a valley for three days. It was a valley of struggle, and they were looking for water. When they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were what? Bitter. They found water. They found what they thought they were looking for in the valley, and yet it was bitter. Therefore, that's why it was named Merah. So the people grumbled at Moses. Did you know that? Did you know that people can grumble just like the Chihuahua? There it is. It's written right there in Scripture. It is historically true, and it is a challenge for me and for you. When we go through this life, it's easy to stumble into things that cause us to become grumblers. Instead of walking by faith, we walk by bitterness. We walk by grumbling, and we are not happy with God, with ourselves, or with anybody else. And they said, what is it that we're going to drink as if there was no solution? God could handle a whole army of Pharaoh, but he couldn't handle a cup of water. You see how we fluctuate in our faith? Do you see how easy it is to walk by faith when you're on the mountain, but then it becomes a whole different challenge when we're in the valley? Well, Jesus taught us about these valleys. John 16, 33, I'll put it on the screen so you don't have to flip out of Exodus. Just look on the screen, John 16, 33. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you. I've told you this over and over so that in me you would have peace. Why do we need peace? Because in this world, he said, you're going to have problems. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have bitter experiences. You know why? Because this place has been destroyed by man's choice to invite sin into the equation. This was paradise. There were no valleys. It was a perfect place. Man is the one that messed it up, and we want to blame God for all the bitter things. The reason we have bitter things is because of us, because of our sinful choices, and because we have ignored God's design. Don't peg God and pin it on God when we're the ones that messed it up. Let's just take ownership of it. But let's also know that while we'll go through these bitter things, and while there are now valleys in our life experience, God said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'm not just the God of the mountaintop. I'll be the God that takes you every step of the way. Can you trust God in the valley? You better because you're going to find a lot of time spent in bitter places. Do you see the glass half empty or half full? Or do you see the glass completely empty? Are you just one of those bitter seers that everything is empty? Well, how do we deal with that? Well, let's go back. Verse 25, 
Then he cried out to the Lord, Moses is leading the people. Moses didn't get pulled into their grumbling. He didn't get pulled into their doubt. He continued to walk by faith because he cried out to the Lord. He could have cried to the Lord. He could have just said, Lord, you don't take care of us. I'm t-. He cried out to the Lord. He was walking by faith. And as he cried out to the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters. And the waters became what? Sweet. The waters that were bitter, the same water that they couldn't drink from before, was transformed. Because he listened to the Lord, and the Lord gave them a test. Look at this. He made them for them a statute and regulation that day, and there he tested them. Your bitter experience, you can see that as something that is wrong and something that is terrible and something that is overwhelming. Or you can see that as a time where your faith is tested, yes, but your faith is deepened. You can see it as a glorious moment because God is going to do something great and something special. And what starts off bitter can actually become something very sweet. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know what that means. But there are some things to draw out of this passage. One thing we need to see is that difficult times really are our best friends. Uh, The difficult times, those things we want to pray ourselves out of, are actually the very things that we need to pray ourselves through. What do you do when you have a bitter thing happen? We pray like this, Lord, remove it. Lord, get it out of my life. That's how we pray. And yet that may be the very thing God has allowed. He didn't cause it, but he could allow it in your life because he's testing the faith that it might grow in the valley. So how do we let God make us better and not bitter? How can we experience blessing from bitter things rather than it breaking us down and making us into bitter people? Number one, write this down, I need to understand there will be bitter and disappointing things. Bitter and disappointing days. Ecclesiastes Chapter 3, 1 through 4 says this, there's a appointed time for everything, an appointed time. God ordained, God's sovereign time for anything and everything. There's a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth. We love those times, don't we? We were supposed to celebrate our grandson's uh, baby dedication day, and because of COVID and some of the family outside of our family, we couldn't uh, do that today. And we love celebrating birth, don't we, in that special moment, but... Then yesterday we had a funeral of a blessed saint in our church, Miss Ebby Lee. Just as celebratory as birth when you understand eternity. There's a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot what is planted. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. There's a time for all of it, mountaintops and valleys. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Did you Baptists hear that last one? We seem to get the mourning down pretty good. What about the dancing? Uh, We seem to kind of focus in on the bitter things, but have we forgotten all the better things we have in Christ to celebrate? Moses kept crying out to the Lord. He understood life would be a roller coaster ride. There would be ups and there would be downs. You remember as a kid... You remember roller coasters? You remember they were so exciting, they were so exhilarating? You remember that as a kid? How do we look at it with 
the adult life. Well, we got to have Dramamine now, all right? That's how it is now as an adult. You with me? Total same thing. The roller coaster ride that was so exciting as a little kid is now the death trap for us adults. Life is that way. We need to have a childlike faith that we look at the roller coaster ride like a child, not like a grown-up that all of a sudden's bitter because they're stuck on the ride and needing some Dramamine to survive the ride. Well, 1 Peter, flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. The people of God had been given a great victory at the Red Sea. He gave them another victory. Uh, victory after victory after victory, but he also allowed them to experience valleys. Don't just worship God in moments of perceived victory. Understand every day's victory. It doesn't matter if it's a mountain or a valley. There will always be victory. Sometimes it's more blessed in our minds than it is bitter. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God... And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That was accomplished through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All that was to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled. You want to know how you keep from getting bitter? Remember what you got. You want to make sure the enemy doesn't rob you of the inheritance that is yours in Christ? Remember what you have. It is imperishable. It is undefiled. It will not be fade away. It will not be ripped out. It cannot be lost. It cannot be taken from you. All of that that Christ accomplished for you is eternal. Thank the Lord Jesus for it. It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Those who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So in this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. He reminds them what we look to, not what we let drag us down. You can either look to these very difficult various trials or tribulations or the testing of your faith, or you can remember all that Christ has accomplished for you that will never, ever fade away. Stay focused on the prize. Don't get focused on the speed bumps of the journey. Verse 7, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Peter Hit those speed bumps. Peter had his bitter experiences and bitter moments and the bitter chapters of his story. But now Peter is saying, I don't focus on those things. I don't focus on my failures. I don't focus on the fact that I failed the pop quiz. God has already given me the A+. God has already seen me through. I have all that I need in Christ. I'm not going to let the trials rob me of joy. Let's go back again at verse 25 and let's take a look at how they, in their bitter moments, found something sweet. Look at it again. Go back to Exodus 15, verse 25. First, Moses cried out to the Lord. If you're going through something bitter, if you're going through something difficult, cry out to the Lord. Now, don't nag him, don't cuss him, don't get all fussed up with him. Cry out to the Lord. Get honest and open the heart and let your heart 
be shared with the Lord and cry out to him for him to be the shepherd through the valley. Isn't that what he promised in Psalm 23, that he would shepherd us, our shepherd? That he wouldn't just shepherd us over on the green pastures. He would have to shepherd us through valleys to get to those green pastures. So they cried out to the Lord, Moses did, and the Lord showed him. The Lord showed him the next step of faith. Didn't even make sense. Never experienced this before. What do we do? We don't have any water. There's water, but it's bitter. We can't drink it. Uh, my people are going to die. Lord, you promised to be our provider. What do we do? He looked to the Lord in that bitter moment. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't try to make sense of it in the moment. Just let the Lord lead you through it. As the Lord leads you through it, he will take what was bitter and turn it into something sweet. So the Lord showed him. What did the Lord show him? In that bitter moment, uh, the reality of their desperation and needing living water, what did God show them? A tree. Isn't that interesting? What made life bitter in the first place? The tree. I always, I always put that tree of the knowledge of good and evil over here. I don't know why, but I'm just, I, I always put it right over here. If you remember when man was placed on this earth, there was a tree. There were lots of other trees. There was all this that was given to Adam and Eve. Everything they had, everything they needed for a perfect life and for paradise. They had everything. But then there was this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, if you choose to reject what I give you for life and you turn to this, it will bring you nothing but death. A tree. And all that was perfect, all that was paradise became bitter in a moment because they chose that tree. I find it interesting that as they continue on in this new journey, as they come to another bitter experience, God reverses the curse of the first tree with another tree. And I happen to believe that this tree was a literal tree that was thrown in the water, but it was a literal tree that was designed for you and me. This literal tree that was thrown in this bitter water at Merah was a picture for you and me of how our bitterness would be healed. How the things of this life would be turned into something sweet. What was designed to destroy us and was designed to kill us. God made it sweet through a tree. You see, it was at Calvary that God provided that tree. The tree that reversed the curse of that tree. What took us down that tree was reversed on Calvary when Jesus hung on that tree. And it's that tree that turns it all around. It's that tree, when you look to the cross, I'm going to show it to you through Scripture, only then will that which is bitter become sweet. Israel, what did they need? They needed water. That's a lie. They didn't need water, because guess what? What did they find at, at Mara? They found water. But it wasn't water they could drink. You see, so many people in this world think, well, this is what I need. I just need another relationship. I just need another job. I just need some more money. I just need a date. I just need. And we look to all this stuff that we think we can take into our life and it's going to make us all happy and all better. And then when we drink it, we realize it doesn't satisfy and it's bitter. I look around and I watch what our culture is consuming. And what they are saying will fill us up 
and you listen to the messages of our culture today, whether it's through the music scene, Hollywood, or anywhere else, even in the White House, we can find, when I say the White House, I mean our politics, we find that we are choosing evil things to try to satisfy us. The ways that seem right to a man, but they lead to destruction. Isaiah said, what are those who call evil good and good evil? The things that you and I as believers understand are good and given by God are cursed by this world, are stiff-armed. And the things that hung on that tree are the things that are now embraced. Everything that is opposite of God's design is now celebrated in the streets. We substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Listen to this. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isaiah prophesied that man would go that direction, that we would flip everything upside down. Aren't you glad Jesus flipped it right side up? And you know how he did that? Through the bitterness of the tree he endured so that it could come sweet for you and for me. It was Jesus describing this and explaining this to the woman at the well. You remember that story in John chapter 4? In John chapter 4 verse 13, Jesus spoke to her. No one else in town would. She had tasted from the bitter well uh, of what she thought it was going to mean for her to have life. She turned to the love of men thinking that if I just had some man love me, if some guy, and she went through man after man after man after man after man, and the current man she was with was not her husband. Bitter. Bitter. And here she is at the well all alone because she couldn't gather when the other women came out because of her reputation. Life was bitter. And Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. He was using the literal well she was drawing literal water out of to remind her about this well. The emptiness of her life and her heart. That she'd been drinking from the wrong well day after day, time after time. Life was bitter. And Jesus said this, he said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him... They'll never thirst. It's a water that only God can give. Because you see, it was only God who could die on the tree. It was only that tree that could be substituted into this bitter thing called life that could make it sweet for you and for me. But the water that I will give him become, will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Just a few chapters later in John chapter 7, Jesus would stand up in verse 37 through 38 and he said this, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, If anyone is thirsty, you know who are thirsty? The ones that drink from bitter water. The one who try to drink from the things of this world. And that can even be a believer. Here were the people of God, Israel, and they couldn't get it from Merah. They couldn't get it from that bitter water. Neither can you. Neither can I. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Come to me, Jesus said. I will fill you up. I will give you what you need. For he who believes in me, as scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Just because you've started a journey of faith, just like Israel, and just because you look to the cross and you look to the tree to be saved, doesn't mean there won't be times in your journey when you go through bitter things that you quit looking to that tree. 
and you quit looking to God. And all of a sudden, this world has got you in a place where you feel like it's nothing but bitter. Happened for Israel. It's happened in your journey. Maybe it's happening even now. Well, what we're going to see in the New Testament is what was being pictured here in Exodus chapter 15 of the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, there were all kind, at least 15 major prophecies about the cross. Those prophecies were prophesied hundreds of years before crucifixion was ever invented by man. But here's what we know. Before man ever walked on this planet, before the foundation of the world, Jesus was crucified. It was already predetermined by God how he would fix the bitterness of that tree with another tree. Fifteen major prophecies, hundreds of years before it even existed, so that we could experience this. I want everybody to turn, very quickly, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Find Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to look at verse 20 and verse 22. I want you to see the power of the cross to take that which was bitter and make it sweet. We see it in salvation the cross of salvation is talked about in Colossians 1, verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Remember we talked about last week, we are strangers, we are enemies of God. We saw that in that we were separated in our sin, but God reconciled us to himself. We actually studied it on Wednesday night in here as well. And through him he was to reconcile all things to himself having made peace through the blood of his cross. The tree. There's the tree. How do we find peace with God? You don't get it from joining a church. You don't get it from showing up when a lot of other people didn't. You make peace through the blood of his cross. Verse 22. And yet, he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy blameless and beyond reproach. Like the woman at the well, my life was empty, full of lots of stuff. Man, I was packing in everything the world said would make me happy. And I had some great days, some happy days. But I also experienced emptiness because I didn't have a right relationship with God. And it wasn't until I came to understand the cross and what Jesus did for me on that cross that what was bitter became sweet. On October 18th, 1981, as I've told you often, it was that pivotal moment in my story, in my history, where that which was bitter turned sweet because I accepted what Christ did for me on the cross, not in my head, but in my heart. I realized that I couldn't experience anything outside of Christ, but Christ would make all things sweet. That he could take my old life and I could receive a new life. And that all happened through the preaching of the cross and the blood that was shed on that cross for me. Have you experienced the cross of salvation? Has there been a moment where you've surrendered to Jesus as your substitute and to realize it was his blood on that cross that paid the price for your sin? That's how the journey begins. Remember, rewind Exodus 14. How did Israel get set free from their bondage? The bitterness of being a slave to Pharaoh. Do you remember the last plague? It was the spirit of death that passed over each home. And how did they experience the blessing of God that night? They placed their faith in the blood of a lamb. And that lamb had to die. 
That lamb had to be sacrificed, the innocent for the guilty. Another picture of our freedom. That blood that was shed for us, yes, was also a lamb, not a critter, but a Christ. It was Jesus who was the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, who hung on a tree, and that's how he shed the blood for you and me. And it's through that tree that it reverses the curse of that tree. But a lot of people then say, okay, I'm a Christian, and now they go on a journey, and they have all these grandeur uh, and all these visions of everything going well, and then they have a bitter experience. God, I thought you loved me. God, this isn't fair. God, why has this happened to me? We forget about that tree and what it did to this planet. We forgot the curse of that tree that brought us cancer, that brought us bitter things, that brought us physical death and all that we experience in this body. And we get bitter in the bitter moments rather than remembering the sweetness of God's love on a tree and how God turned everything sweet through that. Keep your focus on the tree, the tree of salvation. But let me show you the tree of sanctification. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, turn to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The same tree that sets you free is the same tree that keeps you free. Take a look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the what? The power of God. The cross. The tree. Realizing that picture of God's love for you and for me, it's that tree that set us free and it's that tree that keeps us free. The crucified Christ who lives in us now and was resurrected from the dead, that same Lamb of God that died on the cross is the same Lamb of God that was raised from the dead and that raised Lamb lives in you and he lives in me. It's that crucified Christ and it's the message of the cross that saves us and it's the message of the cross that is the power of God to keep us saved look to the tree every time you want to doubt God or you want to give up on life look to the tree every time you're experiencing something bitter look to the tree in Galatians Paul said it this way may it never be that I would boast about me my credentials oh yeah I could stand up in front of you Paul says I could tell you I'm the Pharisee of the Pharisees I could tell you about all the things I've done I could tell you about all the preaching I've done I can tell you all about all the letters I've written all the people who've come to know Christ through the things I've done but Paul said I won't boast about anything I've done but listen to what he did say he'd boast about but except I would boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ come on what was he boasting in the tree the tree that made it sweet for you and for me. But then there's another cross you need to see, and we'll close with this, and everybody's fired up now. Here we go, Matthew 10. Get to Matthew 10, or you don't get to go home. Matthew 10, 38 and 39. Jesus said this. Now there's the cross of salvation. There's the cross of sanctification. And then there's your cross. There's your cross. Take a look at it. Matthew chapter 10. He who does not take his cross. He who does not take his, her cross. 
and follow after me is not worthy of me. For he who has found his life will lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Now, a lot of people have seen this verse. They've seen Luke 9, 23. If anyone wants to be my disciple, they must take up their cross daily and follow me. A lot of people have heard that verse preached, know that verse, and don't understand that verse. I'll ask people all the time in our one-on-one with God courses or in a discipleship setting, what's God mean when he says that you are to take your cross and follow me? A lot of us get a picture of that guy that has a wooden cross, the one with the little wheel on the back, you know what I'm talking about, and they walk across America, and it's a great picture. It's important for people to see the cross. It takes bitterness from that tree and turns it sweet. And a lot of people think, well, what that means is I've just got to take these bitter things on. i just got to bear these burdens. i just got to be faithful to the end, and i just got to take my cross. Is that the picture you have? It's not what's being taught here at all. Matter of fact, he explains it. He teaches what it means in verse 39. You want to know what it means? What was the cross designed to do in the very first place? The cross was given to kill capital punishment. It was never designed to teach people a lesson. It was never a slap on the wrist. The cross was designed for one purpose, and that's if you did something so egregious in society, you were to lose your life. It was a death sentence. And what Jesus is saying here, take that and substitute that in for cross, death. Here's how it says, and he who does not take his death and follow me. How do I see that? Well, verse 39, he says, For it's the one who loses his life that actually finds it. What Jesus was saying is, you got to come to the tree, the cross, for salvation. And it is what I did for you on that tree, and it's what I will do in your life on a daily basis, the tree of sanctification. But for that to give you the victory, to keep you from being bitter, but to stay blessed, you got to take up your death. Just like I died at Calvary, you have to die. Paul said it this way. He said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He understood the crucified life, the cross life. And that's how you stay sweet in bitter valleys. Look to the tree. What Christ has done for you, what Christ is doing for you, and what your response is in that. Die to yourself and let Christ live through you. You have a cross. It can be sweet. But it will always be bitter when you are living in the valley. It's when we come in that moment, that bitter thing, that we say, God, it's no longer my agenda. God, this is bitter. God, I can't take it. But God, I'm crucified with you. I'm not going to live by my emotions. I'm not going to live by my feelings and my desires or my passions. God, I'm crucified. I no longer live. Christ, live in me. And it's in that moment that bitter things become sweet. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You experiencing a valley? You experiencing a bitter thing? What are you doing with the test? Marah was a test for the people of God. Would they keep trusting the one that gave them victory on the mountaintop? The one that gave them victory from Pharaoh? The one that gave them victory at the Red Sea? Or would they be victimized by the lies of the enemy that said, Oh, look at this. 
There's no water. Oh, look at this. Look how bitter this experience is. Oh, woe is you. You can listen to the voice of the enemy, or you can look to the tree. God showed Moses a tree to throw into that experience, to stay focused, to remember, and to be reminded that, yes, there are bitter things, but God makes them all sweet. Would you trust God in the moment? Maybe it's starting there. Maybe you need to do what Moses did and just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to trust you in this bitter thing. Lord, I don't want to become bitter. Lord, I don't want it to destroy me. But God, I need you to provide. And he has and he will. He provided the first tree at Calvary. He continues to provide everything you need for life and godliness because the one who died on a tree is the one who lives in you. And that Christ that hung on a tree turns all things from bitter and makes them sweet. But for you to experience that Christ, you also have to experience your tree. You've got to die to your flesh. You've got to die to the lies of the enemy. You have to die to your past. You have to die to all those things. Taking up your cross, dying to self, and let Christ live through you. That's when all things become sweet. So do you need to crucify an attitude, a hurt, a bondage of bitterness, the lies of the enemy? Whatever it is, crucify it right now. Say, Lord, I just crucify that. I, I speak death to those lies. God, take this which, would, which has been bitter and make it sweet. Maybe you've never responded to the first tree, that that tree of Calvary, maybe you've never been saved, whether you're online or in this place, maybe that needs to be your response. Maybe, like Israel, you have experienced God's deliverance, but man, there's something bitter, and you just need to deal with it. Take up your cross. Maybe there's another decision you need to make. The invitation will be short, but if God is speaking to you, I encourage you to respond. If you're online, email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. Let us know what God's saying to you this morning. But for the rest of you in this place, there will be ministers up front. I'm going to ask them to come right now. I want to pray for you. When I'm done praying, when we stand, you need to come for any reason. I invite you to come right now. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the tree. I thank you for that cross that I should have been on. Just like those two thieves, one on each side of Jesus. They deserve that cross. We deserve a cross. We deserve death. But you so loved each and every one in this room. You became the Lamb of God shedding your blood on that tree so we could be set free. God, if there's anyone who needs to experience that tree of Calvary, God, today, save them. And God, for those who have been saved, if we have forgotten the message of the cross, if we've forgotten to take up our cross, God, today, may we respond like Moses of crying out to you and allowing the tree to keep us free. Lord, we love you and we praise you in this moment. In Jesus' name.